Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning. Like Andy mentioned earlier, my name is Beth and I am on staff at Buckhead Church. And I love that I get to be with you guys today because North Point holds uh, a special place in my heart. North Point was really what made Atlanta begin to feel like home for me when I moved here. Um, And now because of this church, I am in what I would be considered um, my dream job. And I love what I get to do in the church that I get to do it with. Um, And North Point is also where I I met my husband, David, and in just a little over a month, we are coming up on celebrating our three-year wedding anniversary, um, which is so fun. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) It's so fun that we're gonna celebrate our anniversary, Um, but there was a time when the idea of not just marrying David, but um, really of dating him in general just seemed impossible to me. Uh, When I first heard about David, I had no idea who he was. I didn't know anything um, about him, but he had just moved to Atlanta to actually start working here at North Point. Um, And I was working at Buckhead and I had some friends at North Point who told me, hey, this guy just moved here. I feel like he's totally your type, like you guys would hit it off. And at first, I didn't really think too much about it. I thought, well, we now work in the same organization. Like, I'm sure I'll meet him. I'll run into him at some point. If we hit it off, great. If we don't, like, oh, well. Didn't think too much about it. Then his name just kept coming up over and over. People kept mentioning this David guy to me. And had I met him? And do I know him? And I feel like you guys would like really hit it off. And so eventually, after his name came up enough times, I did what any normal person does, and I stalked him on the internet. And I looked him up, and I initially found a photo and a bio of David. And there was something in that bio that stood out to me that kind of solidified for me, like, this is not gonna be a thing. Like my friends don't know what they're talking about. Before I tell you what was in that bio, you should know that I grew up in South Carolina, which means that naturally I grew up loving country music. Um, And then I hit a point in my life, probably around college where like, I really feel like I needed to like change some things about who I was, make some like identity shifts. And one of those things that I decided to change uh, was that I no longer liked country music. I actually decided there was probably not a genre of music that I disliked less than country music. Uh, And that's the phase that I was in uh, when I learned about David. So I find this picture of him and I read this bio and in this bio, he lists who his favorite musician is. So his favorite artist of all time, out of every musician in the world he could choose, his favorite musician is country music star, Kenny Chesney. (laughs) And I thought, oh no. (laughs) I don't know if we're really gonna get along or have much in common. Now, I don't know if you can just grab a mental image um, of what Kenny Chesney looks like. So I brought a picture. This is a picture of Kenny Chesney. And as I'm reading about David's favorite musician being Kenny Chesney, and I'm looking at the picture of him, I then think, huh, I don't think he just likes Kenny Chesney. I think this man wants to be Kenny Chesney. 
It's like the resemblance was far too much to me. And my mind jumped to, he's gonna wanna live on a farm and drive a tractor and he's gonna expect me to bring him some like fried chicken and some sweet tea. And like, I'm not prepared for that. And so I immediately decide I'm out. Like, it's not gonna work. This is not gonna be a thing. Like, I'm not down to like end up with Kenny Chesney. That's not really like what I had in mind. And did I jump to a lot of conclusions based on one picture and one bio? I absolutely did. But I told my friends, hey guys, I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't think you know my type. And I don't think you know me. And like, it's just not gonna work with this David guy. But then his name just kept coming up. And people kept mentioning him to eventually I got to the point where I said, fine, I will go on a date with him. And that was my plan. I will go on a date and I will go so that I can tell all my friends, I gave it a shot. You don't know what you're talking about. It didn't work. It's not gonna be a thing. So I go on that first date with David and obviously you know how the story ends. But about five minutes into that first date, I then was like, oh, I think I'm the one that's wrong here. My friends know exactly what they're talking about. It was the best first date I had ever been on in my life. He had it all planned out. Conversation was easy. We connected on so much stuff. Like we had the best time. And so we kept going on dates and two years later got engaged and now we're coming up on three years of marriage. And that country music that I once loved and then wrote off and decided wasn't for me. Well, David has brought me all the way back to my roots and I can once again admit that I do in fact like country music. And now, you know, I can look back and I can admit now that my friends saw something that I didn't see. And my friends believed in the possibility of something that could be true that I had a hard time believing in the possibility of. In fact, my friends saw how superficial my obstacles were to dating David and they were willing to push past them and to keep bringing him up because they knew that if David and I could just meet, if we could just have an encounter with each other, then we would fall in love. And they were right. And we did. And as ridiculous as our story is, for me, it's just a silly reminder of how powerful the people that you have around you are. It reminds me how important it is to have people around you who are going to see things that you can't see, who can believe in the possibility of things that could be true that you're struggling to believe in. People who are gonna rally around you and support you and to help you get to what's possible in your life. And so in our time together this morning, I actually wanna look at a story in scripture that really highlights how important it is to have the right people around you, but it also highlights how important it is to be the right people for others. And so a little backstory of what is taking place, um, this story is happening in the very early days of Jesus's ministry. So Jesus is just beginning to really reveal who he is and, and what he's about and what he's capable of doing. And part of what Jesus is doing is Jesus is beginning to heal people, people who are sick, people who have illnesses. And this is pretty shocking to people. They've never seen anything like this before. This is in the middle of what Jesus is doing. And so Mark writes and tells us that uh, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. 
Now, even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So Jesus has come to Capernaum. He's gone to this house where he's preaching to a group of people and crowds have begun to form. Word is spreading of what Jesus has been doing and the things that he's been teaching. And there's so many people who have never heard these types of things before. And word is, is traveling about the fact that Jesus has been healing people. And so this house is packed. The crowds have been coming just to try and catch a glimpse of what it is that Jesus is gonna do next. And I imagine that in this crowd of people, there's probably some skeptics who are just kind of doubting what they've heard. They really wanna see it for themselves. Like the things that they've been hearing, the rumors that have been swirling just sound pretty crazy. And so they wanna go witness what Jesus is doing with their own eyes. But then I imagine that there's probably another group of people who have been hearing about what Jesus is doing and they're maybe hoping that Jesus can do for them what they've heard about him doing for others. And Mark continues on. And the story says, some men came bringing to him, bringing to Jesus, a paralyzed man. Now we don't know a lot about this paralyzed man's story. In fact, the text doesn't really give us any background on his family or any background really on him at all. But there's a lot that we could know about this man just because of the time that he would have been living. We would have known that this paralyzed man, he would have spent his life on a mat. And this mat would have been what other people would sleep on. It would have been their bed. But for this man, it would have been his entire world. He would have spent all day, every day lying on this mat. And he really wouldn't have had much quality of life at all. He probably really wouldn't have got time outside of his house. He's just bound to this mat all day, every day. And so I imagine that for this man, there's, there's probably this sense that he is desperate for healing. He's desperate for his life to look different, desperate for a different life, a better life. And then for this man, the, this glimpse of hope appears in Jesus. This guy that they've been hearing about who is healing people, who's teaching these things that they've never heard before. And I imagine that for this man, there's probably a moment where he wonders, huh, could he be the answer? Could he be the answer to a different life, a better life? But how is this man going to get himself to Jesus? He can't. It is physically impossible for him to get himself from where he is to this hope that he probably has in what Jesus could do to change his life. See, for this guy, there's the, the reality of where he currently is. And there's this hope or maybe this possibility, this potential of what could be true in his life, but the obstacles to getting from where he currently is to where he hoped he could be, there's just too many in the way. And can't so many of us relate to that idea? Haven't so many of us been in a place or are currently in a place where there's the reality of where we are the hope of where we could be, the potential of where we could be in life, but the obstacles to get from where we currently are to where we hope we could be are just too great. And maybe for some of you, it's the reality of where you are in your career, or it's the reality of where you are with your family, or the reality of where you are with your health or your finances. 
And there's this hope of where you could be one day, this possibility of what could be true in your life. But to get from where you currently are with your career or your family or your health or your finances to what you hope could be true, there's just too many obstacles in the way. Or maybe for some of us, it's sitting in the reality of where we are as a country or the reality of where we are in our world and you have the hopes or the dreams or the potential of what could be true. But to get from our current reality to what we hope could be true, the obstacles just seem endless. Or maybe for others, it's the reality of where you're at in your faith. And maybe the doubts and the questions are wrestling with your need for faith. And there's the hope of where you could be, the, the peace that you wish that you could have one day. But to get from where you currently are to what you hope could be true, there's just too many obstacles in the way. And I think when we find ourselves in that place, we can find ourselves relating to this paralyzed man where we may not be physically paralyzed, but we can feel paralyzed. And that figuring out how to move from where we are to where we want to be and having to figure out how to do that on our own can just begin to feel impossible. And I think what this man had come to know all too well, and what many of us have come to know all too well is this reality that an obstacle can become impossible when we face it alone. Though we look at all the obstacles that stand in the way of where we are and where we want to be or what we hope could be true, the obstacles to a different life, a better life, when we face those on our own, they begin to feel impossible. And for this man, his obstacles literally were impossible for him to face on his own. It is physically impossible to get himself to Jesus, to get himself to the person that could maybe give him a different life, a better life. And so what happens for this man? Well, a group of people step in. And Mark continues on and he says, some men came to him bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And so this group of people step in. This group of people who also have faith, this group of people who believe that maybe a different life, maybe a better life is possible for this man if they can get him to Jesus. And they know that the obstacles are far too great for this man to get there on his own. So they decide to step in and help him out. And I want you to just put yourself in the position of this group for a moment. Their friend is, is paralyzed. He's lying on a mat, he's dead weight. And this group decides, hey, we're each gonna grab a corner of the mat and we're gonna start walking through the town to get to Jesus. And it wouldn't have been easy to carry this mat as, as it was, but they're also walking through a crowd which would have made it even more difficult. And I imagine they're having to ask people to step out of the way. They're having to find the, the path of least resistance in order to make it to this house where Jesus is teaching. 
And I imagine they're not moving slow. They're on a mission. They are trying to make it to this house to get this man to Jesus before he moves on and he goes to another town with another group of people. And then they finally make it to this house where they're going. And I imagine that when they get there, that is when the disappointment sets in. As they arrive at this house, they realize it's so crowded that they can't get inside. It's so crowded in the house that people are starting to spill out of the doors. People are leaned up against the window, listening into what Jesus is gonna say, trying to watch whatever it is that he's gonna do next. And I imagine that they're feeling like, gosh, we got so close to getting him to Jesus, but we didn't make it. And if I'm in this group of people, this is probably the moment where I say, well, guys, we gave it a really great effort. We tried our best. Like, sorry, man, we did what we could. Maybe Jesus will be back again another day and we can try this one more time. Like, we gave it our best shot. It just doesn't look like it's gonna be possible. But that's not what this group does. They don't give up because they have faith that if they could get this man in front of Jesus, maybe something could change. And I don't know if they like rally up in a circle together and make the decision to go on the roof. I don't know if one of them is like, hey guys, I have a crazy idea, but just go with me for a second. If we can't get in the door, what if we just go through the roof? I don't know how they make the decision, but somehow all of them agree to do it. And truly, if I'm there, I don't know if I'm agreeing to that. I think I'm like, I, I really think I've put in enough effort at this point. I don't know, and I'm trying to climb on this man's roof. Like, I just don't know if I'm down for that. But they all agree that this is what they're gonna do. And we don't know exactly how it is that they got on the roof, but we do know that a lot of houses at the time would have been built with a set of stairs along the side of the house that would have led up to the roof. So they probably each grabbed a corner of the mat and they walked up these stairs to get to the roof. And initially, I think it sounds like, man, that doesn't sound quite as difficult as I would have thought it would have been for them to get on the roof. But I don't think it would have been easy at all. And the only thing that I even have to compare it to, to help me understand what it would have been like for this group of people um, is a couple weeks ago when I agreed to help a friend move. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but there is not a decision I regret quicker than agreeing to help somebody move. <laughs> and they always bribe you with free pizza at the end and you get to the free pizza and you're like, well, that wasn't worth everything that I just did to get the slice of pizza but I agreed to help this friend move. And we found ourselves in a situation where we had to move a dresser from upstairs to downstairs. And now the normal thing to do is to remove the drawers from the dresser to alleviate some of the weight and to make it easier to move. Um, we tried removing the drawers. We couldn't figure it out. I mean, we Googled it, we FaceTimed people, we spent an embarrassing amount of time trying to get these drawers out, but those bad boys were locked in. Like it just wasn't happening. And so we just accepted our fate of like, we're gonna have to figure out how to move this thing as is down the stairs. And initially we thought, we can do this. Like just each grab an end of it and let's go. We made it about two steps down and we were like, no, no we're not gonna make it. And we backed our way up. We dropped it back on the landing. And eventually the solution we came up with, which I do not recommend at all because I think it is very unsafe, but we got a bed sheet 
And our solution was, let's put the dresser on the bed sheet. And then we each grabbed two corners and we just very slowly and very ungracefully like shimmied our way down the stairs. And it was incredibly difficult, far more difficult than I would have imagined that it was. And it is like the best comparison I can think of of what this group of people would have been experiencing trying to get this man up to the roof. And they would have been carrying him on the roof after already carrying him through a crowded town. I don't think it would have been easy for them at all. And then they get on the roof and I imagine they then lay their friend to the side. And then as a group, they decide to start digging. And they're digging through branches and and dirt and mud and it would have been difficult and it would have been messy. And I imagine that as they're on the roof digging that inside the house that whatever it is that Jesus is talking about that he starts to get quiet. And I imagine that everyone in the house starts turning their attention to the roof to see what in the world is going on. And I imagine that as they're digging, the drops of dirt are starting to fall on the heads of the people in the room. It also would have been really dark in the house. And so as they're digging, it would have caused light to start breaking through, to start shining through into the house. And I imagine that as Jesus gets quiet, that whispers start going through the crowd. And the people in the house are wondering, what in the world is this group of people doing? but this group of people knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that Jesus was was the only hope for this man to have a different life, to get from his current reality to what he hoped could be true, the potential of what could be true. And because they had faith that Jesus could do something, they were willing to break through every obstacle that stood in his way of getting to Jesus. They were willing to fight through the crowd. They were willing to put in the hard work. They were willing to get weird looks. I'm sure they were willing to get questioned to be told it wasn't worth it. And they were willing to get messy. And then when they finally get their friend, get this man in the room with Jesus, here's what happens. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. There was a collective faith that Jesus saw in this group. And now, I don't think Jesus told this man, hey, your sins are forgiven out of a reward for the work that the group had put in. I don't think Jesus was super concerned about the work that they had done. But what I do think Jesus saw, what I do think Jesus knew is that their willingness to carry this man, to fight through the crowds, to climb onto the roof, to tear the roof open, to get him inside was evidence of the faith they had of who Jesus was and the potential of what he could do. And later in the story, Jesus tells this man, he tells him, hey, get up and take your mat and walk. And he walks out of the house. And this group, man, they had faith that if they could get this man in front of Jesus, that there was potential that everything about his life could change. And they were right. Everything about his life changed because of that encounter that he had with Jesus. And I think if we were to go find that paralyzed man, 
and we were to ask him, hey, what is your perspective on what happened that day? I think this is what he would tell us. I think he would say what someone is willing to do might change everything for you. What someone is willing to do, it might change everything for you. And what someone was willing to do for this man, the way that this group was willing to step up, it changed everything about his life. And one of the things that we wholeheartedly believe in as a church is the power of community. Because we know that there are gonna be times in life when we are facing obstacles from our reality to what we hope could be true in our life. And when we are facing those obstacles, man, we are gonna need people to rally around us the way that this group rallied around this man. And we're gonna need people who are gonna be able to say, hey, I also believe that better is possible. Or if you don't believe that better is possible, hey, I'm telling you that I believe that better is possible for you and I'm with you. But I also know that in a room this size, gosh, there's probably some of you who are walking in this morning and the thing that you are relating with more than anything is you're relating with this paralyzed man. That for you, you're walking in and you've been facing some obstacles alone. You've been fighting some things on your own and they are beginning to feel impossible. And maybe for some of you, you're relating to some of the very specific obstacles that this man faced. That maybe for some of you, you're relating to the obstacle of the mat. This mat would have been heavy. It would have been difficult to carry. And I'm sure as he's being carried through the town, that would have been a really vulnerable position to be in. He probably would have felt pretty exposed. And maybe for some of you, man, the obstacles that you're facing, it's the fact that you know that like you need to be vulnerable. You need to be really honest about the things that are going on in your life. But it feels really heavy to do that. But if you know that if you could just let some things go, it would make all the difference in the world. And if that's you, would you be willing to let a trusted person in? Because the weight isn't yours to carry alone. And maybe for others of you, the obstacle that you're facing is the obstacle of the crowd. That this group, man, there was a crowd that they had to fight through in order to get this to this house, to get this man to Jesus. And maybe for some of you, the obstacles that you are facing is just the, the deafening sound of the crowds around you. It's others' opinions of you or what you should think or what you should believe or the things that you should do. And you have been fighting the crowd on your own and it's begun to feel impossible. And if that's you, man, would you be willing to let someone walk with you? And for others, maybe the obstacle that you're relating with is the obstacle of the climb. This group, they had to climb up on to this roof in order to get this man to Jesus. And maybe for you, the obstacles that are in front of you are the doubts or the fears or the excuses that you would have to climb over in order to even believe that a better life is possible. And maybe the life that you hope for, maybe God feel a million miles away. And if that's you, would you be willing to say out loud to someone else the thing that seems and feels impossible? And then lastly, maybe for some of you, the obstacle that 
you are facing is the obstacle of the roof. This group had to dig through this roof in order to get this man to Jesus. And digging through the roof, it would have been messy. Maybe for you, the obstacle that you're facing to get you from where you currently are to what you hope could be true are the things that you would have to dig through. That maybe it's your past or your shame or it's digging through your guilt. And maybe you've been digging alone or maybe you've been too afraid to start digging because you're afraid of what it is that you're gonna find. But if that's you, then would you be willing to let someone dig with you? And if you're walking in today and you are relating some of these obstacles, then know that you're not alone. Because I'm walking in today and I am relating to some of these obstacles. And I don't like that I'm relating to some of these obstacles. Because to relate with these obstacles, man, it typically means that you're walking through something difficult. But that's the reality of where I'm at in life right now. And so for me in, in my life, uh, just less than a month ago, I had a really close, dear, long time of almost 15 years friend pass away tragically and suddenly, and it was unexpected. And she was one of those friends that, you know, is more like a sister than she is a friend. And in Allison's passing, I have just been living in the waves of grief. And there's been the shock and the anger and the questions. And there have been times when I have felt paralyzed and figuring out how to navigate life without Allison here at times has felt impossible. And one of the things that's so hard about it is that part of my job that working in ministry is often, it's my job to carry other people. It's my job to be the one to show up for them. It's my job to be the strong one. And in this past month, one of the things that I've had to be okay with is I've had to be okay with saying I'm not okay. I've had to get okay with saying I'm sad. I've had to get okay with saying I'm hurt. And as I've done that, one of the things that I have been so amazed at is the way that our church and my husband and mentors in my life and my family and my friends have rallied around me and have carried me. They've been willing to carry me when it feels like I can't carry myself. They have been willing to walk with me. They have supported me. They have been willing to dig through the mess with me. And they have been such tangible evidence of God's goodness and God's grace and God's comfort in my life. And it is because of the way that they have been willing to show up for me that I know that I can sit here and I can say, it's going to be okay. And that yes, it is still tragic. And that yes, it hurts. Yes, I miss Allison every single day. 
but they have brought me hope and they have brought me light and they have brought me freedom when I have needed it most. And what I have experienced over the last month, I think is the beauty of this story. Because yes, we have this paralyzed man who has far too many obstacles in his way to get himself from his current reality to Jesus. And we learn so much from him. But on the other side of this story is that there's this group of people who show up in a really powerful way. And they show up for this man, not to be the heroes of the story, not to make it about themselves. They show up for this man because of their belief, because of their faith in the fact that Jesus could be their answer to this man having a different life and a better life. And my hope as a church and as a community is that we would be the types of people that when those around us are facing obstacles, that we would be compelled to step in and help them. And we would be compelled to do it, not because we are the heroes, not because we're the ones with all of the solutions and all the answers, but because we are people who can believe that a better life is possible, that a different life is possible because of the faith that we have in Jesus and who he is and what he's capable of doing. And so as people in our life are facing obstacles, man, I hope that we will respond the way that this group of people responded. I hope that when someone in our life is facing an obstacle, that we would be the types of people who are going to be willing to grab a corner of the mat. That we're gonna carry people when they can't carry themselves. I mean, when someone in our life is facing an obstacle, then I hope that we will be the types of people who are willing to walk with them that we would be willing to surround them, to encourage them, to remind them of truth and to stand with them when they can't stand on their own. And when someone in our life is facing an obstacle, man, I hope that we would be the types of people who are willing to hold the ladder. That we may not have the best advice, we may not know the next step that they should take, but we can be their support system as they are taking one step at a time. And when people in our life are facing an obstacle, finally, I hope that we will be the types of people who would be willing to tear the roof open. That we would be willing to dig in and to get messy, knowing that on the other side is hope and light and freedom. And so as we close this morning, my challenge for all of us, my question for all of us in the room is simply, are you willing? Are you willing? That for those of you who are walking in and the obstacles in front of you are incredibly clear, but you've been trying to face those obstacles on your own. You've been trying to fight those obstacles on your own and they are beginning to feel impossible. Man, would you be willing to let someone in? Would you be willing to let someone carry you? Would you be willing to let someone walk with you? Would you be willing to let someone hold the ladder for you? Would you be willing to let someone tear the roof open for you? And then for all of us, man, are you willing to do that for someone else? Who are you willing to carry? 
Who are you willing to walk with? Who are you willing to hold the ladder for? Who are you willing to tear the roof open for? And I would bet for a lot of us that there's probably someone that comes to mind that we should be this person for. But if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably been hesitant or resistant to step in in any way because it's hard and because it's messy and because we don't have all the answers and because we don't quite exactly know what to do. But gosh, I think for all of us, when we're in the position of facing obstacles, we're gonna want people who are gonna be willing to step up who are gonna be willing to come around us, who are gonna be willing to carry us. And so if you've been hesitating, gosh, would you be willing to be for someone else? Well, one day you are probably gonna want someone to be for you. And as we go do this, gosh, again, my hope and my prayer for us as a church, for us as a community is that we would be the types of people who are compelled who are willing to step in and carry those around us because we have hope in Jesus, because we believe that a better life is possible, that a different life is possible, and that on the other side, Jesus is meeting there. And that Jesus, he can heal the things that are broken. He can bring hope, he can bring peace, he can bring light, and that he is the answer to a different life, a better life. And so would we be the kinds of people who don't allow others to walk through their obstacles alone, but that we would be the kinds of people who are willing to show up and are willing to carry them when they can't carry themselves. I would love to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Father, I am so grateful that you are a God who loves us Father, I'm so grateful that in you there is hope and that there is light and that there is freedom. And gosh, even when we are facing obstacles and we are facing things that make it seem like a better life, a different life is impossible, Father, you are waiting there to meet us. Father, I pray that, that if we are facing obstacles in life, that you would give us the courage to let someone else in. Father, we would have the courage to know and to understand that we weren't meant to face it alone. And Father, as we become willing to do that, would you also give us the courage to be the types of people who are willing to carry others? God, the types of people who are willing to put in the work, who are willing to be told it's not worth it, who are willing to be questioned, who are willing to dig in and get messy with other people because of the faith and the hope and the belief that we have in you and the type of life that you have promised us. Father, we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.